If you are stuck in the grind and don't know how to get moving, if you have lost your dream or struggle to know how to make it happen, if you have been dreaming of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life with tools, knowledge, and support that will allow you to create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from the work they do so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. This show features interviews with people who have already created success in their lives and businesses and stories about everyday people living extraordinary lives. It's time for you to add value. My guest today, Monica Graves, has been licensed for 23 years in real estate. For her first five years in Georgia and the last 18 years in Colorado, she's the employing broker for Your Castle Mountain Properties located in Denver, Colorado Springs, Vail, and Winter Park. She's been a top producer for the last 10 years, selling over 120 million, and she's a certified ninja selling instructor. She coaches real estate brokers on how to balance work and play. The Purple Mountain Group was formed to help elevate the way her clients experience real estate. The whole experience is fun, educational, and rewarding. Her client first philosophy has always been her approach, and she seeks to continually improve her skills and ways of doing business. It is my privilege to have as my guest, Monica Graves of the Purple Mountain Group of Your Castle Real Estate. Monica, I am so appreciative of you taking the time today to, to join me and share your entrepreneurial journey. And I'm just I'm just so excited and looking forward to learning more about what you've been doing in Colorado over the last what, 16, 17 years. Yeah. Uh, how you basically build building a family empire, which I think is is so exciting and, and motivating and says a lot about your character that that your entire family is working with you and for you. And and uh, so tell me a little bit about how you got started as an entrepreneur. And obviously that was in another state, but now that you've come to Colorado, um, share just a little bit about that journey into operate running your own yeah business. so it's a it's a fun story to tell um i worked uh in atlanta and new york i'm from georgia and when i was in college um i had the opportunity to work for ibm because ibm that's when you know ibm's like a big headquarters there so at 18 i started working for ibm um corporation and then i i worked for procter and gamble after that so another big corporation and I just, and then my third big corporation was Victoria's Secret and um, opening all the Victoria's Secret stores. Wow. And, yeah. And so, you know, that was a new product, a new thing, because uh, lingerie, you could only buy it like in a catalog. They didn't have like, you know, yet you had Sears or Fredericks. And so, <laughs> so, so uh, that was fun. And, and while I was opening one of these stores around the nation, um, nice gentleman came in and, and, and started talking to me about um, where he worked, but he didn't never, he never told me the name of the company. And he just asked me if I'd be interested in interviewing. It ended up being the vice president of Polo Ralph Lauren. Wow. Yeah. So I moved to New York when I was only 22 and started working with the, the designer, you know, Ralph Lauren. And, um, and then he was privately owned. Um, so it was a lot different when it was privately owned. And 
about 10 years in, um, he went public. And so it changed. You know, once he became a corporation, um, I, I had to get out. And yeah. so, so I started my own business where I was uh, an independent contractor for Ralph Lauren. And my company was called Monica Graves Merchandising. And I would go into the polo shops and I would go into, you know, golf shops and things like that. And my job was to you know, help create what Ralph wanted it to look like. You know, he had a concept. And you couldn't go outside of that box. I mean, Ralph Lauren, you know, you see how successful the man has been. So um, so that was fun for 15 years. And then, uh, you know, when I started my own business, I decided to get my real estate license at the same time and invest in real estate. I had that, you know, once you start working for yourself and you start um, looking at how your days and your weeks go, you're like, you know, I have a little bit of extra time over here. Maybe we should do some fix and flips. And so did my first flip, I think I was 28. And, um, and that was fun because then we started seeing, hey, you can get a big chunk of money all at the same time, you know? And, uh, and so I stole my uh, Monica Graves merchandising, got that to, to another girl that was willing to do all of that and work with, um, I mean, I ended up working with Tommy Hilfiger, uh, Donna Karen, Clint Eastwood, you know, I had a bunch of different clients, but, but then when I started investing in real estate, I was like, well, that, that's almost just like a hobby, you know, that job compared to, <laughs> compared to what, so, so you start looking at that, you, you know, as, as you become an entrepreneur, um, sometimes it does sort of feel like you're in a hobby situation because your income's not coming in the way you want it to be. And you're like, how can I increase my income? And um, so once I got into real estate and started understanding that whole concept of return of your investment, I started teaching uh, investment seminars. And, and I really built a, a big business on teaching and helping people that wanted to do fix and flips or, or buy long term or, you know, and I work with them on a cash flow analysis. And, and that was back, that was in Georgia. And um, so when we moved out here in 2000, um, still had a little bit of that bug in me. And I opened a retail store in downtown Golden. Nice. <laughs> had all my Ralph Lauren contacts. So we had, you know, Ralph Lauren furniture in there and jewelry and textiles and home furnishings. And um, but I had my real estate company and my mortgage company in the back of the furniture store. Nice. <laughs> I know. I always said. I can help you uh, find a home. I can help you fund it. I can help you furnish it. Nice. That's a great combination. Yeah, it was fine, fund, and furnish. And um, and then 9-11 happened, and that was tough. You, you probably have some stories yourself, but, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and, you, and you're, um, your source of income at this point in time was uh, mortgages, real estate, and, and furniture, um, we, we just, everything sort of came to a halt and, and that's when you pivot, you know, that's when you, you say, okay, what, what can I do? And it's crazy. I, I had a friend that was selling Jeeps and I own a Jeep and I said, well, maybe I can sell Jeeps while we're in this slump. Wow. <laughs> so when I became a finance manager or, um, 
Medved Autoplex and uh, did that for nine months to hold us over. Nice. You know, and, and then we sold the furniture store. We continued with our mortgage company and with our real estate company and things started picking up, you know, because the rates started dropping after 9-11. I mean, they went from nine down to five and that was a big deal. Right. And yeah, so business just started booming. And then, um, you know, seven years later, what do you think happened? No, it goes kaboom. <laughs> so 2008, I have to pivot again, you know, and, and, and you have to have that attitude or that mindset of, um, I, I know I can get through this. Whatever the world throws at you, you got to have that mindset of it's going to be okay. You know, I never really get got into that depression or into that, like, what am I going to do? I never, I don't think like that. I'm always like, okay, well, what's next? And, and so when 2008 hit, um, I had the intuition, if you want to say, or the, um, I, I just could see things starting to happen in 2006 um, because I, with our mortgage company, we would have people call in and say, um, you know, my interest rate's gone up with an adjustable rate mortgage, um, or I just lost my job. I don't know what to do. Um, you know, I can't buy another house because I lost my job. Right. And, and so I, about 2006, I started seeing where things were about to happen that were going to be really, really major in the uh, mortgage and real estate industry. And so I sold our mortgage company. Wow. We sold it in 2007, 22 <laughs> loan officers. Um, I said, bye, you guys. Um, sold it to Shearson Lehman Brothers. And they, you know, they, in 2009, they were gone. Right. So, so we really, it worked out well for us for that to happen. And wow. then, and then when the interest rates just, um, you know, everything just sort of halted. Nobody was buying anything, um, real estate. So once they lower the interest rates, then real estate started picking back up. Well, and they changed all the rules. So the mortgage companies today is completely different than it was oh, in yeah. 2007. Yeah. yeah, and I don't, I don't even want to be in it because <laughs> you know you have to. There's a lot of uh, it's it's difficult. It's a I I admire the people that that do mortgages. So our um, the real estate business, you know, we. When the market crashed, we had six homes all rented out, um, and and you know people losing their jobs, and so it was a tough, I'd say, two years. But in 2010, um, we started doing fix and flips in the resort areas. Oh wow! Because you could buy properties so cheap when you know after um, it was about 2010. Yeah, two two years after the crash. We were like, you know, where do you want to live or where where would you want to be? We're like, I'd like to be in the mountains. And so we we opened an office in Vail, we opened an office in Frisco, and we opened an office in Winter Park. Nice. So that was how we got into the mountain real estate, and it's been wonderful. So we've been, you know, there ever since. Um, the mark, all it's done is is gone up, and that's how I got my family involved. So my family, you know, they're like, yeah, let's do fix and flips together. And they, so my two boys learned at a very young age how to, how to work with investing in real estate. And my oldest son, he bought his first property when he was 21. 
and he flipped it when he was 23, you know, stayed in it for two years so they didn't have to pay capital gains. And then he moved into another house where he put about 65K into it, uh, bought it for 200 and now it's, you know, it's, it's close to 500. So he's sitting on 300, a equities 28. So, so I think we did well in that aspect of teaching them how to be entrepreneurs and take control of your life. And, uh, and it's, it's, um, it's been a fun ride, but I think that at that age, when I decided, I think it was 28, yeah, 28, 29, when I said, I think I want to work for myself. Right. Yeah. Left, and right. and yeah. now you're unemployable. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> you know too much. You know, know. the secrets and nobody will hire you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Not I, that you'd ever want to get a job again. I know. I don't think I, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could, could go back to, um, you know, I've, like I said, I've always had that creative mind of, well, if this doesn't work, let me, let's try this. That doesn't work. Let's try that. You know, so I've always been that kind of, of, of never get stuck. <laughs> nice. Don't let yourself get stuck because, because a lot of times you will, you'll stay stuck. Um, Absolutely. You know. So what have been the most effective tools for, for building your list, building your audience? Um, I would say the seminars. When I started doing those investing seminars, um, they're fun, you know, where you get to meet people. Um, I would have experienced investors there um, that could, could add to the class. And then I'd have a, um, a tax attorney and a lender. Nice. So, so, you know, I didn't have to always have all the answers. Um, mine was more about talking about what I've done personally. And then, and then I'd have those other team members to answer those difficult questions when it comes to taxes and um, 1031 exchange. And, um, and so I, I started doing, um, after the investing seminars, I started doing uh, first time home buyer seminars um, and then now the ones that I do are, I've been coaching real estate agents since 2010. Nice. For 11 years now, I've been doing classes for how to be successful in the real estate business. Wow. That's fantastic. So you mentioned power partners. I mean, like having a mortgage broker, having a, a tax attorney, how valuable has connections and, and partners been to your business growth? Yeah. Huge because, you know, when you, when you try, especially like in real estate, a lot of people get into the business because they think um, this is a fast way to make money. And then they try to do it all by themselves. And it, it real estate's a complicated game. It, that's why I like it because it's, it's never the same every day. It's different. Right. So, so when you have these questions, you know, I've been doing this for 28 years. I've been licensed and I'll still have something where I'll be like, I got to find, you know, somebody to help me answer this because I don't want to be liable for giving the wrong you know, advice. So having um, a real estate attorney, um, I'm part owner of a First Alliance title company. So we have a real estate attorney, uh, Greg Parham. And um, 
and so I just own stock in the in the company. But but it's nice to have somebody in the title division that you have a question about probate or anything. I know I can give Greg Parm a call. Um, and then like, you know, with the taxes, I, I tell people, I don't want to answer those questions because it's all individualized based on your income. It's based on your, you know, so, so I think that, that when, when brokers get into this business, they, a lot of times, yeah, they just think all I have to do is open a door and I'm going to make, you know, $200,000. Do more than open a door. Well, Denver's a tough market now to get started in for sure. And, and maybe, and I know a lot of other places are, are similar, but, um, you know, Colorado. this, this year has definitely been a, a real estate thinner. Yeah. <laughs> agents, agents are either getting it done or <laughs> looking for work. Yeah. <laughs> They're Walmart greeters. They are. And that's the thing is, 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 you know, there's so many jobs right now. Um, but I think, I think what, you know, a lot of people have said, Hey, I want to, this is a good time for me to think about starting something on my own. You know, after COVID, staying right. at home, a lot of people got real creative. Yeah, absolutely. I ended up writing a book. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I had it published in the uh, December 2020. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And and it was all just experience on, um, you know, surviving and, and uh, making it through. And I knew that this was a good audience or a good time for people um, there is a lot of stress and a lot of things that are going through people's heads like they're not going to make it out and i just mine's more motivational it's a motivational book on how i did it and um nice yeah so i i have confidence that people can do it you know nice. well that leads me to a couple of questions first um you mentioned, you know, your whole family's involved and, and you shared a story before we started. Would you want to share that story again about how your husband has come onto the team and, and uh, working with you? Well, so since I, I started teaching a course called Ninja Selling and it was, it, it's a course on um, not only working, uh, creating a, a successful business, but also creating a successful life. So we learned how to do affirmations. And um, and look at your goals and 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 sort of visualize that it's already happening. And once you have that feeling of it's already happening, then it's easier than looking way out in the future and trying to make or for something. You're sort of like, well, okay, what I'm experiencing right now. So the affirmations, I I just had my husband doing them and I was doing them. And I said, um, you know, I want to be a millionaire by this date. And then I started just imagining being a millionaire. And then my husband, he didn't get into it at first because he's more analytical type of person than I am. And I said, just try it. Said, Do you really love your job? And he's like, no, I don't like my job. And he, you know, working for a big corporation. I said, well, then what would you want to do? And so he started thinking, he goes, I really want to get back into just investing full time and not having a corporate job. Well, then... Here, let's do a bet. Yeah. Listen, I, I bet you that I can make your income by March. And this was in November. So I was giving myself about four months, five months. And, um, and he was doing pretty well with Lockheed Martin, you know. And so I said, um, he's like, 
okay, if you think you can do that, then yeah, I'll quit my job. <laughs> and by February, I had done it. I made his income plus, and he'd been doing all these affirmations about what he wanted. And he wanted this new Jeep and he wanted like all this stuff. And he said, um, I said, well, now that I've made the income before you quit your job, cause I said, you're quitting your job. So before you quit your job, you should go buy that Jeep, <laughs> right? Because you want to have show that you have employment. That's right. So, so he goes and gets this Jeep that he had a picture of on his, you know, he, he had in a magazine and all the stuff he wanted on this big black Rubicon. And um, so, so I said, see what you just did. You just manifested that Jeep. And, and, and now we're going to manifest what you want in life. We're going to, you're going to quit your job. So he marked, he marked on the calendar on February 14th. Um, if I love my, he put a big heart on the calendar. He said, if I love myself enough, I'll quit this job. I hate. Well, on February 9th, he gets phone call and they laid him off with a year severance pay. <laughs> yes. That's even better. Yeah. You manifest a Jeep. You manifested a year's salary. Your salary. Yeah. Wow. That's wonderful. So he got to go out and start looking at homes and, and, and started with, that's when we started doing, you know, fix and flips and stuff up in the, the mountains and, it was just, I just know that, you know, you can pretty much do anything that you can put your mind to. And your mind is so important. Your your brain is so important in that aspect of motivating you and, you know, that self-motivation and, and having other people help you too. Like I was helping him. He was helping me. Um, and and that's why I teach uh, these classes for realtors. It's, it's a, they're, coaching webinars. I do Zoom webinars and then I do, um, you know, in-person classes so that I can help people to see that part of themselves where it's not just about writing your goals down. That's the first step. You've got to actually know that you can do this. Absolutely. Well, and, and the problem is we're so focused on goal writing that very, very few things talk about goal achieving. Goal and and goal achieving is a different part of your brain and it's a different, you know, it, it requires specific action steps. Uh-huh. Writing, writing goals down. So and seeing so, those results, results, right? So I want to talk about mentors because obviously you're being a mentor in, in many people's lives, but I still want to dig a little deeper. So what's been your biggest challenge with working together as a family? Um, because now it's not just your husband, it's your boys and yeah. and uh and how are you pushing through those kind of challenges? So um, I definitely didn't train my son when he decided, you know, he wanted to be an investor, but he also wanted to, to um, be a broker and, and help other people. Um, and so we said that up front that, um, that I wasn't going to be his trainer. Um, been your mother your whole life. <laughs> Can't, it's hard to undo. <laughs> You need somebody else to train you. Even though I, I'm there for advice, his you know questions. I'm not going to be that person that that tries to, um, you know, tell him this. He couldn't be my assistant, you know, because um, that's what he wanted to start out. He said, "Let me just be your assistant and learn from you." And I was like, "I don't know," you know. So that didn't work out. But um, 
with my husband, it's been great because my husband and I have different brains. He's uh, definitely more analytical. So he's more left brain, I'm more right brain. And, and so we balance each other out. He's got a different personality. He's more of a, you know, in the, in the disc profile. I'm high D and high I, and he's high S and high C. So nice. S and C, yeah. So, so we're sort of like, you know, that's probably why we've, we've been married for 35 years. But I made both of my boys do the disc profile. And, um, and so I think with my younger son, he's more like me. My older son's more like Michael. So I said, you know, why don't Michael, why don't you work with, with our oldest? He's more of that investor analytical. And, and then I'll get my, my younger son to be more of that uh, sales people oriented, you know, influencer. Nice. And, and it's worked out great because we know just from growing up, them growing up, that we don't see the same, we don't see things the same. And so we definitely don't want to me um, to try to, to say, this is what you got to do to be a successful broker because he's totally different from the way um, I do things. So. And both okay. ways can work just fine. Yep. You can still be <laughs> successful and do different, you know, so he is definitely more of, he works on all of the um, market analysis because those are the things I don't like to do. <laughs> nice. You know, so Absolutely. yeah. So he, he went out and got a special designation. Um, my oldest just to do those types of uh, behind the computer. You know, I'm, I'm out in the field. I'm always teaching classes, doing that kind of stuff, always face to face. And so, so we figured that out. Here's what we need in our company. And he loves it. He loves being that person that that does all the analyticals and, and cash flow analysis. And I'm like, yeah, that's the stuff that I don't really like to do. So. Nice. Yeah, that's the, the kind of stuff you need to outsource anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, somebody in-house that can do it for you. That's so that's fantastic. That's what we were looking at is how to keep that, you know, in the family, in the aspect of, you know, neither one of them ever thought they would work for somebody else. They've always, yeah, at a very young age, when they, we started doing fix and flips, they were like, they just started seeing how you can make income without um, somebody, a corporation or, or somebody paying you. Nice. What a blessing to them to never have to look for a job or, or get a no. job and understand this this different world that entrepreneurs exist in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I love the mindset stuff too. So you've talked about coaching other realtors and, and mentoring. You know, what is the value of mentoring been for your growth and for your you know, company? Yeah, for me personally, um, for so long, I, I, I would only last about two years at a brokerage. Um, and it had a lot to do with that support, you know, where, where I would look for it and I wasn't getting it. And I knew that in order for me to grow, I needed or a mentor or something. So um, when I found your castle real estate and Lon Welsh, who is one of the largest investors in, in Colorado, um, I knew I'd found a home where I was going to stay. Nice. And having, having him as a mentor and a, an accountability partner, um, cause I had never really had an accountability partner in, in real estate it was always just me doing, you know, trying to make it work. And then once I had somebody holding me accountable every single Friday, 
um, before the weekend, because weekends are pretty bit big in, in the real estate industry. So it was always like this little bump or push, you know, and I'd be excited about what, what goals I had put in front of me and then to have a, a, a mentor to see how successful he's, he is. And I was like, I want to be like that. You know, I want to be like him and I want to do what he, and so um, I could easily start my own brokerage if I wanted to. And he's always said that we have 700 brokers now. Um, when I was started with him, there was only 25. Wow. Yeah. So from 25 to 700 brokers, um, it has a lot to do with the mentorship that we offer the brokers, offer the brokers that join our company. They know that we sort of instill it. If, if you come to, to work with us, we're there for you. you know, when I first started in, in real estate, it, yeah, it, we, there wasn't a whole lot of coaches and stuff like that back then. This was like in, uh, I think I got my license in 1995. You know, so, so definitely in, in, in uh, owning your own business and getting up in the morning and doing the things that you need to do to get the results, having an accountability partner is huge. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And what a great relationship with, with you know, recognizing, you know, this is somebody that I want to be like, and I be like that. If, he's, yep. if he's done it, then I, I know that I can do it too. Yeah. And, and you start to surround yourself with people that, that believe the same way as you, you know, and, and, and so you're like, you know, all of a sudden somebody comes into your life, when I'm thinking about, um, you know, the, writing this book, and then, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm teaching Ninja, which has a been around for 25 years, and the uh, the guy Larry Kendall, who's always been my mentor in the aspect of saying that I could write this book, and then he did the Ford for it, um, and. But he sort of came into my life, I think, for that aspect of me teaching, coaching, being an author, and I, it would have never happened if I hadn't taken his course. Nice. And said it tripled my business. <laughs> when I, after I took his course, you know, tripled my business, I said, I'm going to teach people how to do this. And so he allowed me to become a ninja instructor, and I did that for the last 10 years. Nice. So... How did your confidence develop? How did you grow this this confidence that you carry today? Um, oh, that's funny. I think I was that kid, um, you know, I just always wanted attention. <laughs> like, uh, D. <laughs> yeah, I was the firstborn. So when the other two sisters came along, I was like, you know, hey, what about me? You forgot about me, you know? So I was always that kid that that um, wanted to prove myself and and, um, and then, you know, sort of an overachiever, I would say, uh, in high school and college. And, but I've always had that that thing. And I think it, it, it could probably be my father and my mother because they both left the state of Kentucky and moved to the beach of South Carolina Wow. At a real young age, you know, and, uh, and so to see, to see that, you know, if you don't like where you live, move. If you don't nice. like what you do, 
do something else. And and so so that that was instilled in me where um, seeing my father do that and and um, and then even my mom when they got divorced, my mother was you know um, had never really worked, and she got into the banking industry and and ended up marrying a, my uh, stepfather who was an entrepreneur and. Um, so it, that was fun to see my stepfather with his businesses. And, um, he learned a lot from Ted Turner because, oh. uh, Ted Turner was our neighbor in, in, wow. in Georgia. Yeah. He lived right down the street. And so it was, it was fun to, as a teenager, to see those kind of things come to fruition when they say they're going to do, this is what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see it, a new building. Mm-hmm. My, my uh, stepfather was a land developer and, and, and I was just, I think that's what happened. You know, you get that confidence from seeing other people that you love do things. And then you're like, I can do that. Nice. Well, you mentioned uh, them saying they're going to do it. And then all of a sudden there's a building there. So what? how important is character in, in the yeah. entrepreneurial world? It's hugely important. Um, you know, you, you see a lot of these people that take advantage of others in real estate or in the car industry. For You know, when I got into the car industry, I, I didn't last long, Barry. I didn't last because I was pretty honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I if somebody qualifies for 0% financing, I'm going to give them 0% financing, right? They didn't like that very much. You know, they're like, no, no, you know, so that character aspect of it is you'll have more people that trust you and you'll get more business because they trust you versus if you try to do that one time deal where you're going to make all this money. Right. So so I think the the character aspect of it is. Is if if you put the other people first um, and treat them how they want to be treated. Then your character shows because you're, you're listening, you're caring, and you want the best for them instead of the best for you. Well, it's thinking long-term instead of short-term, mm-hmm. right? Creating yeah. a, a relationship that matters versus trying to get a short-term win. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. And I think <clears throat> referrals, you know, I, I teach a class called Building Your Business with Referrals because referrals are, are really what it's about. It's I'm not a hunter. I don't want to constantly be hunting for business. I want the business to come to me. It's a lot easier that way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you have to be out door knocking, it's. <laughs> well, that was never, never my deal, you know? And so I, I and I, I think that a lot of people, they think that when they start their own business, that's they're going to constantly be having to hunt. And I don't, um, you know, maybe in the restaurant business or it's a lot of marketing, but I think the referral part of it is, yeah, you, you treat somebody nice. They're going to treat you nice back most of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's, there's great value in building good relationships, mm-hmm. offering quality service, and then word of mouth will, will work. Mouth. No. It, works, it works in restaurants the same way as it works in real estate. It's mm-hmm. just about any other business. If somebody likes what you did, they're yeah. going to tell other people about it. It makes them feel good to 
refer you because 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 you did something for them, so then they feel good about doing something for you. And then it's just this whole big karma thing, you know, that everybody wants to feel good. <laughs> of course we do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So all of a sudden you're hanging out with the best people because in, in building those, those business relationships, some of, some of my investors have become like my very, very best friends. Like we do everything together and, and it's so fun to like see what I've helped them do. And then, you know, some of them are doctors and, and I'm referring them as doctors building their business. And um, yeah, it just, it really is that kind of big circle of, of all good people and people that want to help you and you want to help them. That business to business thing is great. Absolutely. So <clears throat> what about the value of gratitude? Oh yeah. That's what I teach. I teach, you know, literally before you put your feet on the ground is is i say if you can lay in bed for just even if it's just two minutes just lay in bed and 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 be grateful for your pillow <laughs> <laughs> be great you know love i love your love you bed this bed was such a great night's sleep and and then you know drink some water be grateful that that you have fresh water drink just these little things um i always say you know be grateful that you have plumbing and you can flush a toilet there's like two billion people that do not have plumbing the way that we have it you know be grateful for just those little things and before you know it when you're when you're pointing out a lot of these little things it takes over that attitude of gratitude where where yeah when i'm driving my car you know i'm like so thankful that I have this nice car and, and I feel safe. And instead of being worried about the traffic or worried about the weather or what, you know, it's more about how can you change that, that attitude to gratitude. Nice. It, yeah. It's so powerful. That's, it's one of the quickest and easiest changes to, yeah. to transform a, a moment, to transform a day. Um, so, so thankful. So that, that leads a little bit to, you know, morning routine. You mentioned a few elements of a morning routine. Are there any other elements that you have in your daily routine? Yeah. So, um, so I always say, you know, I'm not going to look at my phone or my computer for an hour. Nice. Cause there's stuff that I want to do personally, you know, I want to relax. I want to drink my coffee. I want to um, be with my, my pets, I walk them. Um, I'll sit outside. I love sitting outside, you know, when it's nice weather and, and, and sort of just be slow, really slow, <laughs> you know, awesome. take that hour because once you look at an email or a text or something, um, you just gave up your sovereignty. You just gave up to somebody else. Oh, I like that. So, yeah. so I say one hour, to do anything except for look at, don't look at your phone or your, or your laptop. And it's hard because I'll hide it. You know, like my husband has his right beside the bed <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm hiding mine. And I can't, sometimes I can't remember like where I, I'll plug it in. Like I'll plug it in in a different plug and I won't see it. So, so that way I don't, I'm not tempted to, to pick it up. So, you know, and then I think that the next thing after I do start, um, with business is, is, uh, you know, 
doing those things that that I don't like to do as much because I'll end up procrastinating. So I always try to do the um, the phone calls, the, those kind of things first thing. Because if I say, "Oh, I'll just call them later," <laughs> won't happen. So I, I, I say. So that's my morning routine. You know, I sort of like build it up to the peace within me. And then I'm like, what can I share? How can I, when I make these phone calls, um, what can I say to them that's going to make their day or make them want to talk to me, you know? And so it's, 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 it's that, what, what are your plans for this evening? I'd love to see you, you know, try to get that intention of setting that appointment because networking in real estate is, is huge. And so me being that kind of person that always wants to be around people, um, taking that time to be by myself is, is huge before I venture out and make appointments and start going to see people. I have to have that mindset of, oh, okay, I did what I needed to do for me. Sort of like when you're on an airplane, they always say, you know, put the mask <laughs> on yourself first before you can help anybody else. So absolutely. So that's my morning is I got to make sure my, I read, um, I read several different types of um, spiritual type of, of magazines. And, um, and I've been reading this one magazine for 20, I guess going on 30 years now. Yeah. Cause my son just turned 28. And when I was pregnant with him, I was started reading um, and it has daily affirmations. So it's just really good to read and then sort of take that affirmation with you. In that aspect of what it says. Nice. And journaling. So my book is about that, that my books of seven steps that you need to do um, in order to, to have a successful life in the aspect of with less stress. And, and so we talk about that, you know. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. I'm going to change things up a little bit. Okay. What was your most memorable date with your husband? I, it's too funny to tell you. Uh oh, why? <laughs> it it was our actually our very first date, and um, back then in the eighties, because I think it was like nineteen eighty one. Um, it was nickel pitcher and penny oysters. <laughs> wow. So think how much they could penny oysters and nickel pitchers. Yeah, so, good, uh, good beer and good food. <laughs> we were we ate so many oysters and we had so much beer that the server she was drinking too, <laughs> and she totally forgot about us. Never came back. No one ever. So we did a, a, and it was our very first date. So I didn't really know him that well. And he's like, we should just, you know, dine and dash. <laughs> I was like, how do you think that makes me feel when this is taking me out on a date? Um, so anyway, we ended up finding the girl and painter, but, but it was that, that was so much fun because we were just getting to know each other and, you know, but it literally was our very, very, very first date. I, and I'll never forget that because you're just finding out so much because we started just drinking so much, but at the same time for him to say, why don't we just leave? <laughs>
Oh, oh, when you're young, right? <laughs> I think I was eight. I was eighteen. He was nineteen. Could dine and dash on nickel, nickel beers and penny oysters. <laughs> That's why I said I was like, "This is aren't you supposed to be taking me out on a date? And now you're telling me you're not going to pay for me." <laughs> nice. That's fantastic. It's probably like five dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that that could have been gas money though. <laughs> He's got to be able to get you home. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And that's how we hooked up because it was just, we had so much fun. That's great. So how has contribution been a part of your journey? Contribution. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people think that it has to be money that you um, contribute. And, it, and it, I think that your time is just as important, uh, sometimes even more important. So, um, so I, I, I love Habitat for Humanity because it's nice. a um, organization, you know, Jimmy Carter started it and I'm from Georgia. So I started that way back years ago when he first, um, when I found out about it, I was like, how cool is that? You know, to I'm here, I'm real, in real estate and I'm going to be working on building a house. You know? I think him and his wife are still building houses huh? and they've yeah. been married 70 years. Like, 70 years. Yeah. You know? It's a cool, cool uh concept and then uh, Foothills Animal Shelter because I live in Golden and you meet the people that like you love animals um, end up you know end up bringing a couple home <laughs> it's it's a hard place to volunteer yeah um, we, uh, we we ended up with our dog we so they, they were closing shelters in New Mexico and and so we've got a res dog. He was on the reservation and they were going to put him down. And uh, he's actually turned out to be one of the most fantastic. He's husky. But if you walk, if we walk him every day, he literally sleeps all day long. Like he oh. just chills out on the couch. He's he's never gone in the house. He's been housebroken from the day we got him. And and and, and he's not a crier or a barker. And yeah. so he's just a spaz like he knows when it's time to walk. And my wife is nicknamed him Prancer because like on the cartoon Santa Claus shows when the reindeer are just jumping up and down straight up in the air, yeah. that's what he does when he's excited. Yes. And so she's she's like his nickname, he's a reindeer, he's not a husky. <laughs> so, oh, that's sweet. But but yeah, we got we we uh, um, fostered him because okay. of COVID and then we said, Oh, we can't we have a grandson that fell in love with him and our daughter fell in love with him and and like, oh, now I got to keep him because everybody's in love with him. <laughs> so he's thing. actually been a really good dog. And don't so. you feel like, you know, here you were, you know, that's a contribution to a dog's life, what you did. And and not only did this, you contribute to the dog's life, but the, what the dog has done for your life and for your family. So so that's how I feel about when I when I work at Foothills Animal Shelter and I help you know, do just little things, you know, cleaning out pens. Sometimes you'll work in the clerical aspect, you know, an admin, you know, I'm not doing hard work, but what you're doing is, is helping to save dogs lives or at least make it better for the shelter so that they can, you know, still yeah, exist. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so, I mean, it's sad that they're necessary, but they're necessary because there's a lot of people that, get dogs and aren't prepared for the responsibility, which is sad. Like, yeah. and in this country where we have so much that 
it should be so simple to, yeah. to take responsibility for a pet and 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 you know be a responsible owner <laughs> and, and it's not yeah it's not happening yeah. as much as it should i think um, that contribution aspect of of yeah donate to a lot of different types of uh, um, mercy housing i don't know if you ever heard of mercy housing have you heard of them i have yeah so they're they're awesome because they take in um they they own a lot of real estate so so they they bought apartment complexes and 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 then they house people that are homeless and help them to get jobs. That's that's a fantastic place to be working, even though it's super challenging. But I know it's a huge need. For yeah, sure. so I think that that you know you gotta you gotta think about what something that interests you, and so the housing aspect of it interests me, and the Habitat for Humanity, and then the dogs. You know, so so it makes it more fun to contribute. And, and and then you meet great people. Absolutely. And, it, and then it all comes back to you in different ways, you know. All right. So what inspires you? Inspiration, I think that has to do with um, wanting the best. You know, I've, I, I want the best for my kids. Um, I want the best for, for my family. I want the best in the aspect of life in general you know when you wake up i want my days to be filled with joy and um and so i find inspiration in everything i mean i find inspiration in the the moon you know i find inspiration in the grass when it's all beautiful and green and, and you know i just like nice things um so i've always you know when i started working for ralph lauren and in and you know saw the 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 goals that he had personally growing up in the Bronx and you know growing up very poor and and then for him to become this huge billionaire in the fashion industry he always wanted to make people look good that's what his that it, that inspired him what a great goal right <laughs> yeah i just want to make people look good <laughs> so i was like i like that that inspires me and so i i still to this day a lot of the stuff that i learned in my 20s um, in the inspiration of fashion and the inspiration of, of, of cars, you know, Ralph Lauren owns like 120 um, cars. They're all different years and models. And um, awesome. I know. Can you imagine on 120? I love, I love cars. So, you know, so you know what I'm talking about? So, so then it inspire you to, to say this, this is what I want. Um, Oh yeah, I'm manifesting a garage before I manifest the house. So my wife has to manifest the house because I'm manifesting the eight-car garage. <laughs> hey, I know where there is one. I sold one just recently, but yeah, I there's a there's a twenty-car one up in Morris, <laughs> up in Evergreen that I know well. Have friends that knew the owner. Oh wow! NASCAR. We're we're NASCAR chaplains, my wife and I at okay. the, at Car International Speedway. So we spend our Saturdays. Um, just uh, praying for drivers and their families, and, oh, and just so being cool. present up there at the, yeah. at the speedway. So that's uh, that's one of our free time activities. And so, so and and it that inspiration aspect of it is, you know, because I I know exactly how you feel when you're. It's sort of like a culture. Oh, absolutely. And and your tribe, <laughs> right? Yeah. So. So you want everybody to be safe and healthy and 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 so you how can i help right yeah. 
absolutely. That's so cool. Yeah. So what uh, you mentioned taking care of dogs and what else do you love to do in your free time? Obviously you're, you're experiencing the Colorado mountains and, and love the mountains. And so what's, uh, what's your free time activities? So, so I, yeah, I'm, they call me mountain Monica and my license plate is mountain Monty. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much, uh, I love the mountains of Kentucky where my grandparents were and I'd always wanted to, to live in the mountains and Georgia mountains just didn't fit with my goals of where I wanted my family to grow up. It's not quite tall enough. <laughs> um, not quite tall enough and, and a little bit, you know, uh, there's a big difference between a, a Georgia redneck and a Colorado redneck. I mean, it's, it's, it's more of the, the music, the atmosphere, the, um, the hiking, you know, when, when you're up on a 14er, cause I've done several 14ers. So I, so of course I like to hike. Um, we uh, kayak. So I just started getting the kayaking three years ago and that's wow. amazing. Um, I've been snowboarding since 1993. Ooh, nice. Almost. Gosh. That's sort of weird that I've almost, I've been snowboarding almost 30 years. Nice. Um, and um, I, you know, biking, so mountain biking and um, everything outside. You know, so my journaling and all that stuff, you would say that maybe that's a hobby, but it's it's more of just what I do. Sure. Part of my daily routine. But the um the yeah, the getting out in the nature, the hiking. Um, we built a labyrinth at my uh house in Grand Lake. Wow. Yeah, and it's huge. And people drive by and they're like, What do they do over there in that house? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, they see this because we did it in the front yard. Nice. Our house sits really far back and it's on an acre. And so we had all this space in the front and, um, and we had all these rocks. And so I was like, let's build a labyrinth. And so the walking meditation uh, is really important and, um, and just being in nature. I'm just, you know, anything that I can do outside. That's why we live in Colorado, right? Nice. Absolutely. So, so what is Monica's big dream? Okay, so it's 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 like I've reached a lot of my big dreams, um, and the the it's hard to to say now that you know I've, I've reached a lot of and and I'm at that age now where um, when you get closer to sixty, I'm looking at how I want to spend the next twenty to twenty five years, and so so it's more about you know, owning enough real estate where we feel comfortable and, and, and just knowing that we're going to not have to work as hard and we can retire at an early age. Um, I'm thinking probably, you know, I'm going to be 58. So I'm thinking by the time I'm 63, that's sort of like my goal is, is to sort of have, have a, a really great team of individuals I already have a really good team building but just be there for them and let them grow the business instead of me being the hustler, you know, nice. yep. doing it myself. I want to, I want to sit back, uh, write, probably write another book, um, continue to do my workshops. I've got a, a my portal. Um, it's an online learning portal that started in March of this year. 
Nice. You know, because everybody was doing all this stuff online. I said, well, I need to have a, an online learning portal. So, so you can go there. It's uh, manifestwithmonica.com. Nice. And so I, I want that to be uh, successful. And I think that it will because it'll, I'll get to, I'll get to uh, do more with it once I get closer to that age of, okay, now I'm sort of sitting back enjoying what we've built and, um, and, and let, yeah, let the kids sort of take over the empire. Nice. I love that. The Purple Mountain Empire. Yeah, the Purple Mountain Empire, exactly. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, it's been, these last two years have been fantastic and, and I'm hiring more and more people into the team. And so I, I really can visualize seeing it all coming together and I'm going to be more of like the queen bee and, and letting the workers do the stuff, you know, That's I like it. Uh, I think it's right. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. So now you've got one of those workers sitting across from you getting ready to, to just be their, their entrepreneurial self. And mm -hmm. you've got the chance to share, to share Monica's words of wisdom. What, what are you going to share? So I would say um, in a nutshell, you, you need to believe in yourself and, you know, believing in you will help other people believe in you. Absolutely. So, so I think that, you know, the belief aspect of, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of things that you've grown up with the programming and of, of uh, negativity. And, and so if, if ever that, if you get stuck in that past, just realize that you need to be more in the present and the more you can live in the present, the more miracles are going to happen. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Monica, thank you so much. This, has been, this has been fantastic. I'm just so excited for more people to hear your story and you. buy your book and just yeah. learn yeah. more about the purple mountain empire. So. Purple mountain empire. And, and my book is on Amazon and it's inner being and balance. Inner being in balance. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, thank right. you again for sharing. I just, I just had a blast. Thank you too. And I want to meet you in person. <laughs>